0: White teenager is being accused of pretending to be black to get more followers. People on social media quick to accuse Hallberg of blackfishing, a term used to describe someone who's pretending to be black.
1: Hi, I'm Ramique Johal. And
2: I'm Carol Eugene Park. This is Decomplicated. So a while back, I saw this TikTok trend that was getting a lot of attention, and it speaks to today's episode. So basically, a TikToker would show Instagram pictures of random girls and ask, is she a black woman or a white woman with an aggressive tan? And it wasn't so much of an attack as it was a way to poke fun at people with really dark tans while also subtly pointing out that these behaviors are racist. And if you're not seeing this connection to racism, we'll get to the how and why later on. But this TikTok trend got me thinking about other celebrities whose race has become so ambiguous because of their gradual
1: but dramatic transformation over the years. Definitely. I've seen that as well. And I think it's also the issue of people being racially ambiguous But there's also people who straight up are trying to look like black women. And I remember a few months ago, I fell into this wormhole of social media drama where these two beauty influencers got into an argument. And one of them was a black beauty influencer named Jackie Aina. And she was arguing with another woman who, contrary to what her profile shows, is actually a white woman. And so in response to their argument, people started threads showing what she actually looked like versus the changes she had made using makeup and surgery, fillers, and the differences in her hairstyle and textures to make herself look black. But this wasn't the first time we've seen this, and it's been part of this recurring pattern on social media.
2: There's actually a term for what you're referring to, and it's called blackfishing. Back in 2019, Toronto writer Juana Thompson created a Twitter thread about this term, which she's since been partially credited for. And the Kardashians are notorious for this, with their hairstyles, skin tone, which is always super tan, their makeup and body makeup, hands that don't match their tans, their big lips, and big butts to emulate Black women. The big question is... What is black fishing and why are people doing it? But first, let's dive in. <music> to better understand this phenomenon and how it has very much changed the beauty landscape on social media, I spoke to Dr. Cheryl Thompson, an assistant professor at the School of Creative Industries and co-director of the Studio for Media Activism and Critical Thought at Ryerson University. I asked her, "What is black fishing?" Here's what Dr. Thompson had to say:
0: I sort of define black fishing as the taking on of black aesthetics, especially on digital, in a digital sense. So you'll see people they they might uber tan, right? If it's not a butt implant, they're wearing something to make the butt just look a little bit more round, or they're actually getting um, collagen injections into their lips to, to enlarge their lips. And then they're actually taking photographs of themselves, right? And like performing as if they were black or appearing. And I know there's been so many white women who have like, I don't know if they're getting modeling contracts, but they're actually like pretty well known, right?
2: Beyond the definition, did you know there's a history behind Blackfishing? Because I didn't, and I swear the education system has failed us. Dr. Thompson explained that in order to understand how Blackfishing plays out in the present day, we need to take a step back and understand its history.
0: So part of Blackfishing for me is also in the history of passing, like racial passing that i i don't think a lot of people really know about and and so we're often we know of the um what what they would call black to white passing which is a history especially in the US context but it also has happened here in Canada where if you are light-skinned enough if we use the US context especially both during and post slavery so we're talking about pre-1865 and post-1865 there would be an imperative on the black body to be accepted by the dominant culture so african americans would then pass so the idea of passing it's like an invisible line into the other race especially black to white passing it would have been denying your lineage so you would deny that people were your family you would then speak with <laughs> speak with that stereotypical <laughs> white voice that i'm suddenly putting on myself right um and then you would get it try to climb the ladder or to literally pass over into white communities typically african-american men or women would then marry a white partner then suddenly in the bloodline everybody would think you were white
1: This actually blew my mind because this concept is rooted in this really deep history, but this often gets erased in spaces like social media. But one thing I wanted to understand is the difference between Black fishing and Black passing. So Dr. Thompson
2: explained that it has a lot to do with whether or not the audience is aware that they're looking at a performance. Here she is.
0: Because the whole point of blackface, and even if you were to go online and you were to Google like blackface 19th century, you would always see a before and after, right? There would always be a poster, even in the 19th century, it would have been a lithograph where the actor who was performing in blackface on the poster to promote the event, you would see them out of blackface and you would see them in blackface. There was always a recognition on the side of the performer and the audience that this was a put on performance, Black fishing doesn't do that. These people are actually trying to pass as Black. They're trying to get away with it. Blackface, no one was getting away with that. It was known that this was a performance. The only reason people conflate the two is because in Blackface, even though it was known to be a performance, the white audience took that mimicked Black body to be true. They took the performance to be real. I don't think with Blackfishing, those people want you to interpret it as a performance. They actually want you to interpret it as who they are, <laughs> like they have a right to just do this. And, and so there's a different type of power, I would say, that's involved in, in blackfishing. That is, it's actually for me, I feel like it's more harmful because it's trying to be passed off as authentic when it's not.
2: Dr. Thompson offered some amazing insight. But one critical piece in this Blackfishing puzzle that she mentioned was the proximity of Black people and the
0: role of entertainer and performer. I mean, I feel like this was the theme of Get Out. (laughs) Why are you so interested in the aesthetics of us? And it's because you don't really want to know how we feel, right? The whole thing about Get Out is that they were separated from their heart, So the black people in that movie were like a shell of themselves because they had no heart. And there's even the scene where the lead character, if you've seen the movie where he's like sinking in the chair and you, I think you hear a heartbeat and it's almost like she's taking, sinking his heart down so that it's just the shell of a person. And I think that is actually at the root of racism that you actually don't see my heart, you just see what I do, my aesthetic, my movement. I mean, it's just an, an, a ridiculous argument that people make when they think entertainment has no real effect on your life. Like, it's just a movie. Like, like, it's just really shocking that we actually still believe that. It's like, no. So I think that's where the disconnect comes from because it's in our culture and it's so in our culture that it's and it's not questioned. Why would you question it in your own personal life? Like, it, it doesn't even make sense that you would.
2: And she gave us a recent example of this point with the inauguration of U.S. President Joe Biden.
0: Where did Black people show up in that inauguration? As performers. And it's like, yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> we have always been performing. Of course we're going to rock that poem. It's called the African Griot. We actually have a name for it. It comes from Africa. There is a lineage of the Black orator. So it's like, of course, Amanda Gorman is going to rock it. Did we, Do we see Black people in other areas that aren't related to performance? So I think people don't realize how much everyone is invested in Black people always performing and giving, but not necessarily having a conversation where you get to know us and you get to hear our pain and you get to hear our struggles and you get to hear the reality of being black the reality of being black is not dancing and performing for you <laughs> right the reality is that it's, life can be challenging like we have many challenges some of them external some of them internal to black communities right and i think that's what black fishing just doesn't really care about it's it's just a denial of your actual existence as a human And instead, it's a focusing on your aesthetics.
1: Wow, that was all so interesting and something I'd honestly never considered. And this again reminds me of the Kardashians because we all know they borrow from Black aesthetics, but we'll never truly understand the reality of being Black. And at the same time, we're all aware that their outward appearances are just a performance. But for some reason, they just keep doing it. The fillers, the butt implants, the tans, the hairstyles. They do this weird racial cosplay to try to look racially ambiguous at times, but mostly to look black.
2: Yeah, those are great observations. And I was curious what Dr. Thompson thought about that. Here she is.
0: You know, you see a little chatter. Like I saw a picture of Kim Kardashian the other day. I was like, wow, she really wants to be black. Hard because it was like cornrows, the lips are like my size lips, <laughs> the butt is just like enormous. It's the skin is like so dark. Like she doesn't even look like she's of the same family anymore. And and so for me, I think psychologically something is not well with that person. <laughs> Outside of everything else, like they're just they're just really lost as a person.
2: And speaking of Kim Kardashian, She's known for having beautiful, sexy, glowing tan skin. And this is something that I've been curious about for a long time, about tanning specifically, which is, is tanning inherently racist? And honestly, during my research, I found that there are a lot of divided perspectives on this issue. So when I asked Dr. Thompson what she had to say, she reminded me that history is really important to remember. Here
0: she is tanning is nothing new, right? So before the 1920s, if you had a tan, it would be automatically known that you were a laborer of some kind. You worked in the fields. You were basically designated as a lower class person. That's the reason if we go back and look at photographs of the wealthy, the wealthy were always very pale. It's in the 1920s where tanning actually becomes a craze. But one of the things in the 1920s is that people start going on vacations, like the cruise, like cruises and, and the Caribbean island, especially, as a place of, of, of leisure. Before this time, people did not go and sit on the beach. And so what you see in the 1920s is that there was a tanning craze. That tanning craze coincided with the jazz age. And again, that white to black passing. As soon as the 20s are over and we entered the darkness of the 1930s, that craze kind of went away. And suddenly, who wants to be appearing as if they're outside all day? Flash forward, people have no sense of history. So now we think all of this is new and it is not new.
1: And I think many BIPOC communities are aware of this history of tanning because colonialism also made us hate our own skin tones. So
2: I asked Dr. Thompson why people don't see this as a form of racism to copy and borrow from racialized and primarily Black features. Here's what she said about this.
0: People have articulated racism as hate. So you hate another group and you're doing this because you hate them or you think they're less than you. I think the Black fishing person is like, I love Black people. Like, I love them so much, I want to look like them. (laughs) Right? They're looking at it like it's love and respect. Instead of doing that internal work to ask yourself, why do you want to look like us? Like, that's kind of strange because I don't want to look like you ever. (laughs) So why are you so desperate to want to look like us? Because we're always seen as cool, (laughs) right? They're always just like, black people are so cool. There's always, it's just the truth. And, And while that sounds like a compliment, it's like, if you always see me as cool in some weird twisted way, even when we're on the playground, that means you actually think I'm there to entertain you.
1: And for me that's also where I see this disconnect but I also get confused because I still understand it as a form of racism despite it not being rooted in in this hatred that Dr. Thompson talks about because it inherently places value only in what people can take from black people and black communities rather than understanding them at their core.
2: Yeah, for sure. And Dr. Thompson said there's a very real disconnect and there's a history that relates to this deeper-rooted psychological phenomenon in North America. I mean, I didn't know about this history, and all I can say is the things we learn in school really watered down the histories. Here she is again.
0: And I talk about this in my forthcoming book, Uncle, Race, Nostalgia, and the Politics of Loyalty. You know, you've got to plug the work. Um, I talk about this. If you go back to the culture of dolls, you know, in the 19th century, even into the 20th century, they used to literally manufacture a Black doll for the intention of beating up the doll. Like the doll would literally instruct the white child to throw it against the wall, to 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 kick it, to be, act out violence onto this Black doll. Now let's think psychologically, what could that have done to a child? And how many... White people still alive today remember that doll but live in shame to say that they had one. They would never tell you. Where does that go? It stays in the ether. It doesn't really go anywhere. In fact, in I believe it was 2019 or 2020, there was a doll that was for sale in a New Jersey store that was basically instructing the users to do the same thing in like 2019 or 2020. And so we have in our culture a deep, perverse sickness as it relates to sanctioned violence against Black bodies. People think it's just policing. Policing is just, for me, the, the, the ultimate manifestation of this phenomenon.
2: If you're like us and didn't know about this, your jaw is probably on the floor. And I know there will be people who are like, yeah, but the past is the past. But this is why contextualizing and unpacking moments in history matters. Dr. Thompson told me a bit more about this.
0: So the dehumanization of the Black body is so pervasive in our culture. Most people don't even notice it. They really don't. It's just so commonplace that they wouldn't even question it. So then now, full circle, if we go back to Blackfishing, why would you question that either? Like, you actually don't have a reason. And so, you know, part of what needs to change, in my opinion, is and it's we're starting to see a bit of that change, but a lot of it is how we tell the stories of blackness, how black people tell our stories and, and how the the quote unquote dominant media culture tells our stories. And she's so right.
1: It's not a new thing either. There's been models who've done this for so long, and it's almost like they get rewarded in society as black passing white women more than the actual Black women who often get so much criticism for doing the exact same things. And this actually reminds me of a recent controversy with a singer named Dani Lay, which I hate to even bring up because I don't want to give her the clout and attention she was looking for, but she's this white Dominican singer who everyone used to think was actually a Black woman because she very much enacts this performance of trying to be Black or Blackfishing. She's got blonde braids and curly permed hair because of her skin tone and the songs she sings and the artists she collaborates with. She gets access to this space and she actually released a song intended to celebrate lighter skinned black women, which many people rightfully called anti black and colorist, especially when you consider the fact that she's not even black in the first place. So this idea, like Dr. Thompson describes, is that she wants to give the illusion that she is actually Black. And for the most part, no one questions it until they're given a reason to.
2: Right. And this is why race and gender are extremely important when we're trying to understand a complicated issue. Dr. Thompson gave a really great point about this when she said that this behavior is often enabled when Black men give white women a pass. Here she is again.
0: I think because the black men in her life have given her a pass. That's just facts. <laughs> so if they're fine with it, who are we to to, to come in and, and say anything about it? Because if you think about all the black fishing, anytime I see that, anytime I see a white woman blackfishing, I think she doesn't know any black women. Mm-mm. She might know some black men, though. <laughs> Let's keep it real. <laughs> but that is not a best friend. Of a Black woman, okay? That's someone who's probably never even had a real conversation with a Black woman. And so if you don't know people, then it's very easy to, to do those kinds of things. So part of this is also just getting to know people that don't look like you and having conversations with people that don't look like you.
2: That's so true. But it's also important to remember that people who are friends with
1: racialized people can also participate in this kind of harmful behavior. Absolutely. And non-Black POC can also participate. One thing I've often thought, though, is how do people get away with this? How do you just cosplay as a different race without any repercussions? And also, beyond that, how can you just separate your choice to take what you want from these cultures from the actual realities faced by people of that race?
2: All really great questions. And questions I asked Dr. Thompson.
0: This is what she had to say. That's what we're up against, in my opinion. A deep, deep amnesia to the realities of how Black and racialized people have been treated our entire lives. like Not just 2020, but since we were born. Right? And we've never been able to have a real conversation about the realities of that. Instead, it just gets deflected. So, having learned all of
2: that, you're probably thinking, wow, how can I be a better ally? And how can I better myself? Or maybe you're even thinking, what books should I read to undo my own racism? Well, the answer is simple reflect. That's what Dr. Thompson said.
0: They're like, oh, I have so much to learn, so many books to read. I'm like, actually, you don't. If you're a white person over the age of, I would say, 10, just reflect on your childhood. (laughs) You don't have anything to read. You have probably done something racist, seen something racist, or you've been a bystander to some racist, violent act. Like, look at your life. Reflect. To me, the conversation about race is about white reflection. It's not about white people reading a book about how to be an (laughs) anti-racist. Like, I kind of laughed to myself in 2020 when I would hear people say that. I have so many books to read. I'm like, wait a second, are you 50? If you're a 50-year-old white man, mm, chances are you used the N-word when you were like a teenager. <laughs> I mean, can we just keep it real? <laughs> like, why are you pretending? So a lot of this is white guilt, white shame. They don't want to admit, suddenly they have amnesia. They don't want to talk about the past. They just want to talk about all the books they need to read. And I'm just like, no, a lot of this is about reflection.
1: And I think it starts with conversations like these. We spend so much time on the internet and we notice that this phenomenon has honestly gotten worse. But let's actually call it out when we see it, especially recognizing that seemingly small things Have really deep histories that get ignored. It isn't just as simple as a white beauty influencer who decided to wear a foundation that's 10 shades too dark. It's deeper than that. Exactly. Sometimes that deep history needs a little decomplicating. And that's all for today. Catch you next time on the next episode of Decomplicated. Don't forget to leave us a review, follow us on socials, and share this pod with a friend. And feel free to let us know what you want to see Decomplicated next. This episode was produced by Ramnik Johal and Carol Eugene Park, mixed by our audio producer, McKenna Hadley-Burke, and music composition by Sean Cameron. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Decomplicated.